0: Welcome back to the 121 podcast. My name is Amy Kirkpatrick, and today we are continuing the a segment I am calling Know the Word, and we're in Genesis 15 today, and we are going to continue the conversation of what's happening in Abram's life. Guys, welcome back to a segment that I am now going to call "Know the Word." We've been walking through Genesis uh, from starting at 12, and now we're actually on 15 today. And I wanted to kind of change things up a little bit as I'm going through these episodes, I'm learning more and more about what fits me, but also what I feel like you guys might want as well as what God is leading. And so anyway, I'm going to switch this up a little bit because uh, if you know me or if you're one of my students from way back when, you know that I have a mad, mad passion for each and every single person uh, that I teach uh, to have their own Bible and to know it front and back. Uh, And so I truly believe that you need to be reading scripture. And so in the past, what I've been doing, I'd be Reading a passage, and then we we'll discuss, and then read a passage and discuss. And I decided that um, that's too much on me. I, I want you uh, to either read the passage and then listen to this podcast, or listen to this podcast and, and get into word yourself, because. Here's, here's what I keep reminding myself, is that as you read through um, the temptation of Jesus, uh, you will hear that the devil knows scripture. He has scripture memorized and that he will use it against us. And so we need to know our word. We need to know the words of, of God that he wrote down in these books um, just as well so we can battle against him and so we don't become... Um, Tempted by anything that he says, so that we don't get entrapped or ensnared by how he might twist uh, God's word, and so we need to know Scripture. And so I encourage you to have your Bible and and to use this opportunity as something that maybe will lead your own Bible study time at home or with friends or whatever. And so, anyway, what I'm going to start doing, I think, <laughs> I think this is how we're going to move forward: is that I'm going to continue uh, doing it, but I'm going to do it in a way that's kind of, um, kind of. I don't want to say soften, but it's kind of simplifying the story a little bit and just getting to the point of what I'm trying to pull out. And like I said before, uh, I'm not doing a deep Bible study on this. What I'm what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to recognize the character of who God is so that in our life today that we can recognize, hey, that that thing that's happening in my life, that that has the character of God on it. Like, I can see God's fingerprint all over this, and this might be God moving and asking me to do this. Or, you know, I think the more we know how our God works, the things that He asks His people to do, the challenges He gives, um, how He uh, moves in those challenges and works with His people, the more we see that, the more we get to recognize His fingerprints all over our life, and then we can we can move forward with a greater confidence in, um, in following Him and what He's asking us to do. So, that's what I want to work on. That's what I want to focus on is uh, looking at God's character, how he interacts with his people, um, how they partner together, how God works through their failures and their struggles, uh, all of that. So so yeah, so anyway, not a deep study, but um, if now's a good time for you to read, then do it. Otherwise, I encourage you to do it afterward. All right. So starting in 15, Genesis 15, uh, like I said, I'm going to paraphrase, but when we start at the very beginning, we got to actually go back a little bit and remind ourselves of what just happened, how Abram had gone in and rescued Lot and the people that were being attacked by the four kings. And he went in and had all the provisions brought back and all the people brought back. Lot was rescued uh, and how he refused to take all the provisions because he didn't want anybody else to be able to claim that they made him rich. So That's what was in 14. And then immediately after that, what ends up happening is God uh, comes to Abram in a vision and just basically tells him, uh, don't be afraid. I, I am your shield and I am your reward and abram just kind of pauses and you can kind of almost read it in there uh his frustration and obviously there's been some years that have already passed since the promise has been made to them or to him and he just says how can that be true i don't even i don't even have a son you haven't given me a child this the servant of mine that isn't even my own blood is going to be my heir and you can almost hear him putting his plight out before the lord of how can you keep promising me these things right and never delivering you you haven't you haven't given me what you've promised me yet, right and And then we just hear the gentleness of God's voice come in, and he just says, "No, no, no, you will have a true son, a true son of your own blood, and he will be your heir. Come, come with me, and come walk underneath the stars, and we're going to look up in the sky, and I want you to gaze up at every single star that you see in this beautiful galaxy and i want I want you to know that your your children are going to be far more than than you could ever count in this entire sky, right." And, and so Abram now has this beautiful visual that he gets to look at, and every single time he goes out at night, he can stand on those stars and remember the promise of what God has given him. Now, there are several different times in Scripture where God blesses somebody with a visual that they can see on a daily ba- basis, something that will constantly encourage them. Like David is given Goliath's sword um, at one point. And so David, you know, as he's the most discouraged he could possibly be, he is given the the sword that once used to be Goliath, and so that he gets to walk around with that, and and realize. You know, the, the realize that God was his deliverer once and he would do it again. And here, Abram is going to have the reminder of the fact that the Lord is going to answer his promise, that there's a real promise and that he can look in the stars and be reminded of that. And it's the same thing with the pillar of cloud, right? So every time those Israelites woke up, they stand up and just walking out of their tents are like, okay, the Lord is with us. I, I am reminded of that every day. And so God is so good to continue to remind us. And, and you see people struggle with that reminder all throughout scripture that even though the cloud is there, the Israelites still doubt his presence, right? And so uh and so anyway, we we still struggle with it, right? It's not to sit there and say like everything is easy once we have that those that clarity of those promises or those signs, but um at the same time they're still there and it's an amazing thing that God gets to comfort us in. Um, you know, I I had this visual, this kind of metaphor, come into my head when my husband and I first uh, quit our jobs and and had that one year of kind of waiting before we moved away from everything and 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 left our jobs and everything. We had like this year, and people would always ask me, "So, what is next? What is next?" And you know. As people started to ask me, I realized how passionately we love to know what's next. We we have to know and how we get so much stress and anxiety that builds up when we don't know how, how to kind of control what's happening, um, you know, in the next phase of life. And we get so stuck on that. And it's almost like we get stuck in this darkness of... You know, not being able to see, and how are you going to handle that? And and it just gets dark and gloomy. And so one day I was kind of just daydreaming, and I was kind of thinking about this wall uh, being up, and how there was a hole in the wall, and it was just big enough for me to stick my arm into, and. You know, as I stuck my arm into it, there was just nothing, nothingness on the other side. It was just absolute black. I couldn't look into the hole and view anything on the other side, but how the other side was my future. And as I stuck my hand out into the hole, I was feeling nothing. And I was just waving around trying to get my fingers to touch on something that I could grab that I could hold on to. I wanted, I wanted something to feel tangible that I could, that I could maybe sense that, oh, maybe there's a house in the future somewhere else, or maybe there's keys, you know, that will, you know, go to some future office or, you know, I, I wanted to put my hand through there desperately to feel the next phase because I would give anything to know what's supposed to happen next. But as I put my hand in there and I was searching around, God said, "What are you searching for? I haven't I haven't put that in your in your grasp yet." And and I just thought, you know, for some of us, I'm sure we'd go up to that wall and put our hand in that wall. And we'd be flailing around, you know, on the other side for hours, days. I mean, how how long would some of us fight um, looking for what's in our future? Uh, <laughs> you know, how persistent would we be? I have a feeling some of us would be there for weeks, just wheeling our arm around trying to find and grab onto something because the thought of pulling our hand out empty handed, not knowing what the next step is, is probably the most terrifying thought. It's less scary to to have our hand in there at least trying to grab something than it is to pull it out so going back into Genesis 15 you know we see Abram take God at his word and he believes what God is telling him this promise so he has accepted that into his heart and he believes it and and then God goes on to say you know that God is the one that has brought him into this land that he is going to one day possess and, and we hear Abram ask this question how how will I know I, it will be mine like how and he you could kind of see him struggling again with these concepts. And my goodness, like, (laughs) I think we all would kind of fight with this. I think we all would struggle a little bit (laughs) in this idea of us one day owning maybe a town, you know, to put in perspective, and all these people living in, all these houses are there. There's a whole culture set up, right, of how these people are living, and it's just supposed to be mine, right? And we're just supposed to kind of just live in this outskirts of the area and just hope that someday it's going to be ours that's that's kind of a tough concept so what i think is kind of the challenge here for abram is to process through can i take god at his word is god either a god of truth or a god of lies you know and I know that sounds crazy and I think we all easily oh he's a god of truth but at the same time uh when it comes down to god leading us uh we have a hard time like thinking about the fact that he is a god of truth like when we look at the promises that god will um provide for us like like the sparrows right or that god will heal or anything of that sort we still kind of struggle with that when it comes down to like maybe our car breaking down or we're we low on funds, we got to pay bills. Like that worry that comes in comes from us not being quite so sure. Like that worry and that fear can come in, but when we allow that to, to take root and all of a sudden we are not trusting in the Lord to provide for us and to fill that gap or to make provision, right? And we start to go in our own our own efforts, we are stepping into a place where we're like, well, I could either take God at his word that he is a provider and that he will look after our funds and he, that he will mend us, or I can go ask my, my family for financial help, or I can go get... Uh, uh, alone or whatever. And we might lean into other things that are easier to do or might resolve the situation rather than leaning into our Lord first in in prayer or, um, you know, bringing that effort before him and, and allowing him to to work through it, right? Let him have the first say, <laughs> you know, let, let you do it first. And I, I think about that right now as, you know, my husband has just called us because our car is, you know, having some sort of issue. And I'm just immediately, I was like, okay, well, we need to pray about this and see see what God is telling us, you know, to do and and how we need to tackle this because we have a tight budget because we're traveling. And, you know, what does this look like? And my heart, I, that's the first thing I want to do because I know that He's called us to this trip. I know that He has said that He would provide for us. So I either believe that He's a God of truth and that He will provide and He will look after this, Or we can panic and we can get stressed out and we can start to worry about it and we can start to take action and we can do things in our own power, right? So I, I, that's what I kind of put out there is that I'm looking at Abram in this time and he is, he is actually having to sit here and he's like, God's saying one thing, but I'm seeing the impossible. Like I'm standing on a hill and I'm looking out and it's impossible, but my God is telling me something different. Am I going to let my heart rest with what God is saying or rest with what is impossible? Uh, That is something, that's just, that's a hard thing. And I don't know if any human will ever fully settle and just say, oh, yeah, I just don't worry about it anymore. Or I'm, you know, I'm never struggling that anymore. I think we'll always have to remind ourselves that we have a God of truth. He is a God that does not tell lies and he sticks to his promises. All right, so getting back to Genesis 15, uh, we hear this kind of very unusual um, thing happen that to us, it sounds really, really weird, but for this time period, it's going to make a lot of sense to Abram. I I don't know how much God explained what was going to happen as much as just gave instructions, and it was probably just very um, obvious to Abram. But anyway, God asked uh, Abram to grab a three-year-old heifer, a goat, and a ram, as well as a dove and a pigeon, and he was supposed to take the heifer, goat, and ram. And divide them in half and then uh, display them out so that the two halves were kind of like facing each other or opposite of each other. And we see this happen. And, uh, you know, as I kind of did research on it, we know that um, ancient covenants um, back in the day, about around this time period, what would happen is two people that were making a contract, they would take the animals and they would divide them out and, and they would walk. Between the the parts, and that would signify a contract or um, a covenant being made between two people. So, you know, as soon as Abram's kind of hearing about what God's asking him to do, if God hasn't made it clear already, he's probably processing, going, "Oh, God's God's going to make a covenant with me," you know. So, um, there's got to be that acknowledgement to us. It sounds kind of wildly weird, but. But we hear that af- after Abram did that, there's some time has passed. We get little clues in the way that the it says that birds have come down and started to feed off the carcasses and that Abram had to go and shoo them away. And so there's this waiting as well as we're kind of getting this time uh, stamp of knowing that the sun is starting to set and eventually it has set. Um, and so We don't know why necessarily that God has waited and that there was this pause, but he does. And as the sun starts to set, um, Abram falls into a deep sleep and this thick dreadful darkness comes. And then as the sun has completely set, it's dark, and this, this dark smoke appears with a fire pot and a blazing torch that passes in between the the two sides of the animals, and we, we know that Lord has made a covenant with Abram, and he says, to your descendants, I give this land, and he names all of these, these cities and these towns that are filled with people that have all their houses and, and have their they're, these places completely established, and that someday they're going to be gone and they are going to belong to the descendants. Can I just say, how good is our God? How good is our God that He would hear the plight of Abram, hear, hear his heartache, know that He is struggling, and do something so dramatic as make this covenant with Abram, so that he has something to hold on to that he can that he can experience this thing with the Lord and be able to take it into his heart. And I want to point out the fact that this isn't a a covenant between Abram and God. That that what happened here was that that. Uh, God passed in between the two parts, not not Abram. He wasn't part of this, that this covenant is coming from the Lord. And this is the Lord's um, gift of saying that you, you don't hinge on this at all in any way, shape, or form. This is between myself and myself. And I am going to give this to you. So this is my promise that my, I can't fail this. Like This is my covenant that I'm gifting to you. It doesn't hinge on you. And so at this point in time, we see that Abram has been waiting 10 years, um, and it's going to be another 15 years before uh, he is going to have his very own child that will be this descendant that God is promising. And and then, no doubt waiting is by far the hardest part of this, that that is the struggle that Abram is fighting with the most. And and i want to i want to kind of put it out there um, you know the the waiting game is a thing that i think every person would struggle with the most most of course um, but i want to ask you know, with him being right here at year ten, um, maybe even before before this covenant. Let's just say it's just a, a week before this covenant, um, and he had maybe hasn't heard from God in a while. Maybe it's been two years before he's he- since he's heard a promise, um, and he's just waiting and waiting and not hearing anything. Um, this is something I've had to <laughs> work through in my own mind, and and maybe this might help. But hopefully, it makes sense. But if at year ten. Um, is God still working in this promise? Even though Abram hasn't seen anything happen, I mean, he even says, "You haven't given me a child." <laughs> you know, your promise is great, but you haven't you haven't even done anything yet. Um, can we can we in the middle of our our waiting game? Whether that be you know maybe illness and we're we're, you know, uh, dealing with cancer and we're waiting to see if we're going to be able to fight it off. Or maybe it's waiting to have a child because your spouse and uh, you are having a hard time um, getting pregnant. Or maybe it's waiting to see what college you're supposed to go to and you're getting antsy. But in the middle of that, you know, is God working? Is he still working even in the middle of it? Because I think a lot of times we hear nothing, we see nothing, we see him not guiding, and we're like, he's he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. When we don't see the trillion of little things that he is developing and building and working in all around us in our lives and other people's lives to help prepare what the scene is. Like we, we know that, you know, what the end story is for Abram, that he's going to have a child and that, uh, you know, we know that he's going to have descendants and we know the story. But you know at the very end of this but in the middle of it you know in that wasteland what what feels like a wasteland of waiting you know we often think that god's not working but i want to argue are we not waiting long enough you know are we not patient enough are we are we expecting him to act right away at year 10 when year 25 is really the one that you know god has planned for him you know and i think that's kind of a hard thing um is is God good enough to wait? Are we are we willing to sit in that like knowing that it's uncomfortable and we're probably getting pressure all around us from every which way telling us that we need to take action and make, you know, changes or do something. Are we willing to sit in the waiting? Oh, the last part I want to kind of challenge a little bit is what if God used time to develop our faith, perseverance, trust and long suffering? Can we look at the waiting game as a tool, as a way that God is helping us to lean into Him rather than leaning into our flesh. Can it can it be something that's actually, even though hard, maybe a really beautiful way that God um, helps us to surrender and and submit and and come into His presence and trust in Him and rely on Him? Right. There's a lot of shaping that can happen within the waiting game, and. I've, I've just noticed from experience in my own life that the more that I sit in the waiting and I'm willing to sit there and allow time to evolve, um, the more I don't, it's not as painful, but the more I ache over the waiting, the more I stress over it, the more it seems to be hard and the less I see God working. I see God working a lot more when I'm being patient and I'm, I'm willing to sit in it. For those of you that know this passage really well, um, you're probably appalled that I have omitted a whole section of this um, that is really, really big part of the story. Uh, and I, I did it because I want to go back to it. But um, so when when Abram falls asleep, it says that he falls into a deep sleep, and the Lord actually does talk to him, and he says says something I think that is. Uh, I would be very hard to process, um, but is also in hindsight very powerful for us to see. And I'm going to read it word for word from the text, and it says. Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they were uh, they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a gold, good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Emirates has not yet reached its full measure. So here we are you know he's getting this amazing covenant um and the covenant actually comes right after this so he hears this this message and the covenant comes right after um I don't know. This is going to be such a hard thing, this waiting game of trying to, you know, hope for this child that's to come for all these descendants, you know, standing under the stars, or when God asked him to walk through the land and envision, he's got these these beautiful visions of what is to come. And instead, he hears about how his descendants for 400 years are going to be um, brutally enslaved, (laughs) that they're going to be suffering for 400 years. Um, And I I love the part though where it says that God is going to wreak havoc on um the people that enslaved them and that they're gonna leave rich. And I you know, I don't know if you've made the connection, but this 400 years of enslavement is when they are in Egypt, and when God comes and fights against Pharaoh and rages war on Pharaoh for enslaving his people, and then all He, uh, God, at that time, has all of the Egyptian Egyptians give all of their their treasures to the Israelites. So as they leave, they actually leave with all this beautiful gold and treasures and. Basically, money, right? They have all these these possessions, and it's spoken here before the child is even born. That will be Abram's descendant. God is already telling him about the story of the Israelites and the 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 process of taking them out of Egypt and giving them freedom, and even down to the possessions that they'll have. Right? That's the power of our God. That's the power of our God. That that Abram is sitting in year ten feels like nothing's happening. You've never even given me a child, right? And he's talking to the God that is literally telling him that his descendants will, you know, what will happen for 400 years and exactly how it will go down, right? That's the God we're talking to. That's the God that we get st- we get frustrated with as if, as if he's not aware of what's happening in our life, yet alone our descendants 15 times down the road, right? Um, so it's, it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to read in Exodus and study Exodus and hear those stories and to know that God spoke it. God spoke it way back in Genesis 15. so much for listening, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or comments, or you have a powerful story that you want to share with me, or you need encouragement, whatever it is, feel free to email me at 121 podcasts at gmail.com. There's no numbers all spelled out. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. And I hope you have a blessed day.